advantage of the day. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Hello once again and welcome to this edition of Defending the Kingdom. This is the closest thing the NFL has to a planned shutdown because this league we know never sleeps. It just goes. But this is the time of year, like late June, early July, where they do shut down the facilities and say, get out there. But Defending the Kingdom, we march on. Mitch Holtis with you, Voice of the Chiefs, along with senior team reporter Matt McMullen, the Matt Stat himself. And before we go into this edition, which we're calling Cause, Effect, and Sneaky, let's go around the world. Let's go around the world. And I totally agree with that, by the way, because this time of year, like it's nice to relax and like go on vacation and everything. But aren't you just ready for training camp? Just ready for it to get here? Yeah, kind of more than ever. I just After what we saw in OTAs, and we're going to try to capture that today uh, for you, what we saw this spring and summer, OTAs and the mini camps, I got more excited than usual. Yeah. This is a team that I'm curious. I just We can anticipate what we're going to see in St. Joe because I think this team is going to crash through the curtain and just go full steam ahead. This is a team with a chip on their shoulder after winning six consecutive division titles and hosting four straight AFC championship games. And yet, they've kind of been disrespected. Big time. And so that's the way they have approached this spring and summer and has been good work. We'll get to that in a second. But I'm with you. Yeah, it's some downtime and time to be with loved ones and help family, and it gets crazy after camp starts. But still time. The world keeps spinning, and we'll go around the world with it. Yeah, everyone else is ready for training camp as well, I think. And we have 13 names and places, as always, people listening all over the world to DTK. So we have a couple of listeners in Burnaby, Canada. Uh, they declared it Arrowhead Northwest. <laughs> uh, Junior declared Australia as Kingdom Down Under. Kaylee from Nipomo, California, she's listening to DK, DTK. She's 16 years old, and on her birthday in each of the last two years, she's gone to a game uh, here in Kansas City. Very so nice. pretty cool. It's Where's she from? Uh, Nipomo, California. Nipomo, California. I could be mispronouncing that, but yeah. Got me on that one. Yeah. Hi, Kaylee. Uh, we also have Scott from Grove, Oklahoma. Edward from Houston, Dylan from Independence, Missouri, just down the road, uh, Rick from Chicago, Lance and Mesa, Arizona, Zach from Hannibal, Missouri. Two episodes in a row, we've had a listener in Hannibal, Missouri. Of course, Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain. Yeah, Nikki last week He's a big declared Chiefs it. fan. By the way, people don't realize that they don't. Mark He's, Twain was a huge Chiefs fan. I believe it. Um, Nikki, of course, last episode declared it Kingdom on the River. So, Zach, <laughs> shout out to you in Hannibal, Missouri. Um, we've got Tyler in Atlanta, Nivek in Lake Charles, Louisiana, Nathan near St. Louis, and Tony from the south upper deck of GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. He lives up there. Let's take a vote because you and I have already talked about this. We need Defending the Kingdom shirts. Absolutely we or do. Or Kingdom Defenders. Maybe we have Kingdom Defenders. That's what we'll do. Yeah. Raise your hand out there if you want a Kingdom Defender shirt or you'd get one. We'll get we'll – get, We'll get our graphic arts team on this and and uh, maybe sell them in the pro shop. It'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah, King, and you see it. We could, and you'll send us pictures from Australia. Yeah, Brisbane. They're walking around with Kingdom Defender shirts on. So that's what we'll do. Well, All let's about get, it. Let's do it. All right, let's get into this episode. We're talking at cause, effect, and sneaky, and we're going to break down basically the off season up to this point, and then we will turn our attention in these next episodes to training camp to get you ready for St. Joe as the 2022 season gets ever closer. But what's happened here is it's really happened in, in really kind of three segments. And the first segment was the craziness that the NFL has now started with free agency. Uh, there's the 
tampering legally period. And then there's what we call, I call it the Friday after Thanksgiving shopping spree. Uh, and, oh my gosh, this year was no exception, but the Chiefs were involved. Uh, some very familiar names now to the Chiefs kingdom. Justin Reed coming in from the Houston Texans as a safety. Mark Quesveld is scaling wide receiver from Green Bay. Juju Smith-Schuster from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ronald Jones Jr., Rojo, uh, wearing number two, by the way, in case you want to know, uh, running back from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Those are the most notable ones, but just know this as we start this episode. With 90 players on this roster, I think I count 46% are new. Wow. 46% new players as you get ready for St. Joe. Yeah, and in free agency, the one thing you worry about with free agency is that you're going to go out and sign a bunch of older players toward the end of their career. And frankly, if you look at the early 2000s stage for the Chiefs, that era, they did a lot of that, and it worked out, but the shelf life for those teams isn't very long. What really successful teams do when they're trying to prolong a championship window is you use free agency to replenish the roster and you go after guys maybe getting that second contract who are still fairly young. And we've seen that with this free agency period for the Chiefs. So my count is 12 veteran free agents signed, added to the Chiefs roster that are still currently on the team this offseason. Their average age was 26 years old. Only one of them was 30 or older, and it was old friend Austin Ryder. He only <laughs> falls in this category because he technically wasn't on the team last year. He was two years ago, and now is back. He's 30, but everyone else is under 30. I mean, Justin Reed, 25 years old. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 27 years old. Juju Smith-Schuster, 25 years old. Isn't it crazy he's 25? I feel like he's been around forever. Uh, then Ronald Jones Jr., 24 years old. You get the idea here. So lots of young players who still have a lot to prove. They're not at the end of their career just, you know, joining the Chiefs for one last ride. They're trying to earn future contracts in the NFL, and they're trying to do it here in Kansas City. Also, if you look at the six future reserves contracts signed way back in the winter, these kind of get overlooked, yeah. but you shouldn't overlook them. Every once in a while, there's at least one or two guys that sign these contracts in the winter that end up making the team, making an impact on the team. Um, I count six guys currently on the roster who were not with the organization at all, including practice squad last year, and their average age is 25. And then 11 undrafted free agents, they're rookies, so obviously they're young, but uh, only one of them is older than 23. So lots of young players added to this roster via free agency, didn't go out there and add a bunch of older players like you might see in free agency typically, uh, and that's a reason to be excited, I think. Yeah, your point's an excellent one. These are second contract free agents. So they've already played in the league in many cases for the four years, and then they've decided to go someplace else for the next four. And what you're alluding to is the third contract free agent, many times the star who may be on the way down but still commanding some attention and, and salary, so to speak. And paying for past performance is what those typically are. Yeah, in the NFL, we've discussed this before. The National Football League, where you get in trouble, is where you're paying for past performance. You're got, you have to do it. This is where Brett Veach, I think, has been excellent, and his staff. Uh, and Coach Reed talks about it all the time. You don't pay or reward past performance. You have to pay based – your past performance is only an indication of what you think they will do in the future. It's not a reward. I know it's, it's, it's cold-blooded, but that's the way the National Football League is, that you look at what this person could do. Now, we have seen – and this. so the cause here – we're talking about cause and effect. The cause element here is what free agent has been in the National Football League. It's just whirling dervish and spinning dust storm of just – Flurry after flurry of signing and, and going crazy. We saw the wide receiver market just bust through the ceiling and head to the skies. The effect here, though, and what we have seen 
over the past several months since free, agent start, free agency started back in March, to me, is a very quick integration of these guys that we're talking about into the system and into the culture. Go back to a previous Defending the Kingdom just a couple of weeks ago where we talk about it's like what we do and how we do it. Uh, and Andy Reid has talked about this. Patrick Mahomes has talked about this where it's not just coming to the Chiefs. It is coming to the Chiefs and understanding why we win and the thousand ways we win and understanding the culture that has to happen. To me, what has been most rewarding, and I've not always seen this in my brief 29 years in the National Football League, is this quick integration. You, you use the OTAs and the mini camps to get them ready so that St. Joe again is on the full throttle. These guys, almost the guys we've mentioned, the, those prominent free agents, are now strongly integrated into this system, seem to buy into the culture right away, not fighting the culture at all, missing workouts. They're in every workout. They're going after the Juju Smith-Schuster's in a bit of an injury rehab. But these guys, to me, are all in. And to see them integrate so quickly is, to me, a good sign for what could happen for these guys in 2022. I think it gets back to the whole disrespect thing that you were talking about earlier. And in my notes, I had disrespect underlined and circled because <laughs> it does feel that way with this team. I mean, a team that's been to four consecutive conference title games hosted the game. No other team in NFL history has ever done that, yet it does seem like the national perspective of the Chiefs is getting bored with them, right? And I think the Chiefs at this point are – they don't care, but at the same time, that has to be a little bit motivating – Right? Like, you don't think we're going to be in the Super Bowl this year? Well, we're going to show you. And the new guys, even though they weren't necessarily around for those previous conference title game appearances or the Super Bowl, uh, they seem to be embracing that as well. And I kind of think that there's a lot of microcosms of that on this team, where Juju Smith-Schuster is a good example. This is a dude that in 2018 was one of the best receivers in all of football. And just the way circumstances worked out with their offense in uh, Pittsburgh, he didn't really have an opportunity to put up big numbers like that the last couple of years. But as I mentioned, he's 25 years old, and he's here to show, like, I can be one of the best receivers in the NFL. Same thing with MVS, leaving Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I can succeed without Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay offense. I can succeed by myself here in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes and all the playmakers around me. So that's really exciting, I think. These guys have something to prove uh, in this offense. But I also think the stability here in Kansas City is unique, and it allows for those kind of things to happen. When you have a lot of turnover on a team, it might be concerning at first, but when you have turnover at a position group, but yet have stability elsewhere, it allows that position group to thrive. And if you think about the turnover at wide receiver for the Chiefs, yeah, a lot of new faces, but the Chiefs have one of the best young offensive lines in all of football. They have the best quarterback in all of football, and of course, a Hall of Fame coach and Andy Reid. When you have those things around you, it allows for new players to come in, to slot in, and to figure things out and to thrive. Same thing with the defense. A lot of turnover in the secondary. But the Chiefs have perhaps the best young core of linebackers in all of football. A true leader in Nick Bolton who's ready to fill that void uh, left by guys like Tyron Matthew and Anthony Hitchens who were leaders on this defense previously. So when you have that stability and that winning culture, that expectation of winning. You can bring new guys in, free agents uh, and draftees and undrafted free agents and all these guys, uh, and they can get with the program quickly, and we're seeing that so far. Yeah, let me throw another name in there, too, that fits what you're saying, and that is Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey was amazing this spring and summer, crazy. You and I had a chance to watch him throughout OTAs, mini camps, and it was 
he was going after it 100%. I mean, to the point where I just asked him, like, dude, what are you doing? He goes, I've rediscovered my love for football, and I feel like we got something to prove, which was kind of his way of saying we're kind of ticked off here. And when you bring in these new guys into the culture that have played a lot in the league, I mean, they're not brand new here, these guys that we mentioned, and they've won. These guys have won, but they see Mahomes and how they approach every day of OTAs in the offseason program, and the way Kelsey works, they're like, okay, then I'm going to try to work the same way. And then on the defensive side, we've seen uh, veterans that work very hard. Um, I get to Chris Jones at the last part of the segment because I was very encouraged by the mandatory minicamp. But a guy like Juan Thornhill, he's recharged uh, and with this team. So, yeah, the cause and effect here of adding these free agents and seeing how they've integrated, I think, is uh, it's been very, very positive. Now, the third point in each one of these categories will be the surprise factor, or basically what's sneaky that the Chiefs Kingdom fans maybe aren't thinking about on a regular basis but need to know based on what we've seen. And I'll give you first crack at this. Okay. What do you, what do you think's the sneaky thing of going, and I've said this on some shows, uh, thinking this is something you're not thinking about that could help this team be better than what the NFL is predicting it to be. And we have not discussed this previously. Ew, this is this is not rehearsed. And you'll get first crack at the rookies. We'll talk about them in a bit. But So I picked a player who could be a sneaky performer on this team. It's Taylor Stallworth, a defensive tackle. And since we signed Taylor several months ago, I've been really excited about this guy. Um, not a huge, big-name free agent signing, but I think it could be one if he can um, – impress in training camp, impress in the preseason, make this roster and get with the defensive line rotation, I think he really could make a difference. And he's 26 years old, uh, appeared in 16 games last season with the Indianapolis Colts. He had 12 quarterback hits, four tackles for loss, and three sacks. 22 pressures were fourth on the Colts. Here's the thing. He was super efficient. All of those numbers um, were impressive considering he really didn't play a whole lot. He only had 331 total snaps last season. So among interior linemen with fewer than 340 total snaps, he had the most pressures in the NFL. All right. <laughs> he did that also on just 217 pass rushing snaps. That's a lot of numbers. What do those all mean? Well, for some context, Jaron Reed, who was a defensive tackle for this team last year, of course, is now a Green Bay Packer. He had 28 pressures last year on 711 total snaps and 455 pass rush snaps. So Taylor Stallworth, with not a lot of snaps last year for the Colts, really made an impact on their team. And now the idea is in Kansas City, if you can earn more snaps, can that production keep up with it? And based on what I've seen so far, I'm encouraged that maybe it can. We'll have to see. But I'm excited about him from that perspective. And also the off-the-field stuff, which some people might be like, that doesn't matter, right? These guys are just video game computer robots. They just go in there and play. That's not the case. And one guy that he kind of reminds me of from a few years ago is Mike Pinnell. Yeah. Now, Mike Pinnell was a really good defender on this team. He came in midseason in 2019. Really good run defender. But he was also like the goofiest guy ever, a true glue guy in the locker room. Like we'd go in the locker room and he'd be shooting baskets, uh, hanging out with the guys, pranking guys. And it might not seem like it matters at the pro level, but it truly does when you have a guy in there who makes you want to come to work every day, even if you had a tough loss or a tough game. Mike Pinnell did that. Uh, and I don't know if Taylor Stallworth will be that guy for um, our guys this year, but just based on what I've heard about him from um, Indianapolis people and my brief interactions with him so far, he seems like he could be 
that kind of guy. So um, both his personality and what he can bring to the locker room and also how effective he was in limited action last year for the Colts has me excited about Taylor Stallworth. He is my sneaky guy for this team out of the free agents we signed. Love it. And we watched him this spring and summer and seeing him be a valuable, at the very least, a rotational piece on that defensive line. We know about Chris Jones. We know about Derek Nadi. We know about Turk Wharton. And we know about uh, Colin Saunders. But this Taylor Stallworth could be a terrific rotational piece. Like, well, who's number 90? Who is that guy? Oh, okay. And you just laid it out and told the kingdom uh, that he's here and could be a big part of this. Mine is, and I just spoke earlier today to the Kansas Association of Broadcasters and Missouri Association of Broadcasters. It was a sports seminar. Which, which, which? Well, no, no, I'm not. Hold on. This guy was inducted into the Missouri Sports Broadcasters Hall of Fame. Is that correct? That's true. I didn't bring it up for this reason. I know, and he is one of only three people that are inducted into both the Missouri and the Kansas Sports Broadcasters Hall of Fame. Congratulations to you, and you deserve it. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Now you can continue. Okay, I didn't bring it up for that reason. I know. Your mom, Bonnie, you get mad at me. (laughs) But I mentioned this guy's on a roster, and this audience doesn't necessarily follow the Chiefs, like grind it out every day. But to me, the sneaky guy is Elijah Lee. Yeah. Elijah Lee played at K-State. Now, he's in his seventh year, so he's he's older than a Taylor Stallworth. But he was with the San Francisco 49ers. Very good special teams player for them. Two tackles in Super Bowl 54, including almost decapitating McCall Hardman in the game. <laughs> and I remember calling that play going, God, what would he look like in a Chiefs uniform, even just as a four-core special teams guy? But what we saw during the spring and summer is – and Spags likes to play a lot of combinations. He will make your head spin with, oh, it's nickel, but it's what's the combination of safeties and corners? Very unique and very unconventional in many ways. But when the Chiefs are in the base defense, you talked about the young, exciting linebacker core. Uh, when you go down with Nick Bolton and you get Willie Gay Jr., if the Chiefs are starting tonight, that third base linebacker is Elijah Lee. And he's a terrific four-core special teams player that will help you win games. He'll block a punt. He'll go crush a returner. He'll make the key block to get a return. Remember, you've got to, re- you've got to replace like a Byron Pringle guy. And it's interesting, a K-State guy replacing a K-State guy. But Elijah Lee, there may be more here than people realize. The old Blue Springs Wildcat. And I know he's kind of tight with Nick Bolton and hanging out. But to me, a real sneaky guy that people go, he's, he's on our roster? Yeah, he's on there. Uh, we're number 44. And he could help the Chiefs win a game in day one. Now, let me give you some honorable mentions here. Uh, and some names will be familiar and some won't. Deion Bush is one that I want to mention. Deion Bush, the Chiefs picked up uh, from the Chicago Bears. Four-core special teams guy. You'll see him, I think, have impact. Could even be one of those extra safeties uh, from time to time. Uh, also, uh, Jody Fortson comes back into this discussion. Not that he's super sneaky, but people may have forgotten about him ready to jump onto the scene and then he got hurt and you and I were just despondent about it like the kids work so hard he's now a big part of the deal and whoop Josh Gordon everybody was excited about Josh last year and then wasn't so much I would get I would just be intrigued with Josh Gordon going into St. Joe sneaky and the other would be Justin Watson yeah, Kind of alluded to him earlier, wide receiver from Tampa Bay, who could be a four-core special teams player and might be that guy you want on your roster that is the key sixth wide receiver 
and big-time special teams guy. Peter Schrager on Good Morning Football was talking about Justin Watson yesterday on GMFB, I think. He's starting to get some national buzz here. Uh, Justin Watson has a real shot to make this team. We'll yeah. see what happens in training camp, but um, keep your eye on him. The one guy I wanted to tag, though, I agree with all those. All those guys could really make an impact here. Uh, but Jody Fortson has me really excited. Yeah. And we talk about offseason additions, new players on the team. But when you have a guy like Jody who had hurt early in the season – you kind of forget about him for a while, and now he's back. It's like, oh, yeah, Jody's back. And Jody had touchdowns in back-to-back games before he got hurt. The play he got hurt on was an awesome 27-yard catch against the Commanders. I mean, he was getting ready to have a great season, I think. And if Jody can come back strong, he looks great in OTAs and minicamp. He did look great earlier this summer. Uh, if he can come back strong, build on that performance last year, uh, and just go out there and, and do what he knows he can do, uh, I think he's going to be a real uh, force to be reckoned with in this offense, a real tool for Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. And when you're thinking about all the different receivers that this team has, don't forget about Jody Fortson. Uh, he's, he was gone for much of last year because he was injured, but really excited for what Jody can do this year. And real valuable in that tight end wide receiver hybrid. So when you go to St. Joe, yep, he's back wearing number 88. Second part would be the draft pick. So cause and effect, free agency. The cause, whirling dervish of the free agency. The effect, the Chiefs. Might have hit this. Um, sneaky, we've given you the sneaky part of it. Now, draft picks, the 10 picks that ended up being Chiefs had 12 going in, ended up with 10. And you know now pretty much the names here. Uh, to me, the cause and effect was the fact that you could sit here if the Chiefs had to start tonight, there could be four, maybe five rookies in the starting lineup. It sounds ridiculous. Maybe not so much. You can figure some of them out. There might be some surprise starters. We'll get to that in the sneaky part. But these 10 draft picks, ooh, there could be a bunch of them that make an impact from week one. So before the draft and after we traded Tyreek Hill, we talked about what an opportunity it was having this many draft picks. What an amazing opportunity for a team in a championship window to have the most draft picks in the NFL. That never happens. Typically teams with lots of draft picks are teams that are struggling or rebuilding. Well, the Chiefs with a great um, core to their roster – had an opportunity to go, to go out there and add a bunch of young talent to extend this window for hopefully another 10 years, right? Well, it's you don't know if it was a success yet in terms of what they can do on the field, but we've seen in camp, we've seen uh, in OTAs, we've seen these guys around the building, and at least so far, it was a smashing success, I think. The last time the Chiefs drafted that many players in a single draft was 2008. just hasn't happened in a long time, and that team was 4-12 and the year before. Okay, so you're kind of getting what I'm saying here. That 08 draft, they got players like Jamal Charles, Brandon Albert, I believe. Brandon Carr, I think, was in that draft. Brandon Flowers. We saw Brandon Flowers a few weeks ago. A lot of impact players. If you have an opportunity to draft a bunch of players, there's a better chance that a bunch of them are pretty good. And at least so far, I mean, just seeing the guys that we were able to get in this hall of players was um, really exciting. And what have I seen so far in camp? It's these guys have been taking advantage of the opportunity given to them. They're going out there every single day and embracing this opportunity, embracing our culture. Um, George Karloftis was the best player on the field during rookie minicamp, no question. That's the camp for rookies prior to OTAs. The guy was absolutely awesome. Trent McDuffie, impressive throughout OTAs and minicamp. We saw him in the slot and outside. 
looking really good in terms of his coverage skills. Sky Moore was banged up for a while uh, to start off OTAs, but finished really strong. And I can't get too detailed here with in terms of play design, but let's just say that Coach Reed will get creative with Sky Moore this season. So look out for that. Uh, excited to see what Sky can do. And Brian Cook, if you watch DTK at this point, you know Brian Cook is my guy. I've been talking about Brian Cook before the draft even happened. I cannot believe we got him when we did. Um, I think Chiefs fans are going to love him. And he finished minicamp really strong. The last real practice, he had two interceptions uh, in minicamp. So um, I've seen so far these guys going out there and embracing the opportunity given to them. they got to keep that going. Uh, but, man, what a chance it is for the Chiefs here to be in a championship window and to add all this young talent. And depending on the formation used or the approach of the names you mentioned and some others here, there could be four rookies that could start even against the Arizona Cardinals for maybe five. Let's say four. Uh, you don't have to use your imagination a whole lot there. Now let's get into the sneaky part as we move along here in this Defending the Kingdom episode that we're calling Cause, Effect, and Sneaky. The cause here, the trade, Tyreek Hill trade. The effect, 12 picks, ended up being 10. And we have seen now being around these guys since early May, uh, their quick integration into the culture and into the scheme. Now let's get into the sneaky, and I guess it's my time to go first. You go first. You rarely see seventh-round draft picks make any kind of impact on a season, but I'm just going to throw out the name Isaiah Pacheco to you. Isaiah Pacheco is 215 to 220 pounds, runs a 4.37. He will give you a little bit of a Damian Williams. Remember the run to mortality in Super Bowl 54. If the Chiefs play tonight, there's a very real chance he could be the number one kick returner on this team. Now, he's been given number 10 to wear. We'll see if that stays at training camp. And that's a, you know, that's a burden. He doesn't mind it. Uh, but here's number 10, and they go, who's in 10? He's the seventh-round pick out of Rutgers, Isaiah Pacheco. So if you need something sneaky to go to St. Joe and go, I want to watch Pacheco, it would be worth your time to do so. Excited about Pacheco because of what you mentioned, the size and speed combination that we just haven't had in a while. We've had some big players. We've had some fast players. But rarely do you find a guy like Pacheco who's both. 5'11", 215 pounds is what he's listed at, who runs a 4'37", 40-yard dash. This tied for the fastest 40 time at the Combine among all running backs. Uh, you're right. We haven't had really a combo like that since Damian Williams. But Damian ran a 4'45". Uh, so we really haven't had a player quite like this since Niall Davis. And Niall did some things for the Chiefs to help the Chiefs win some games. So, um, yeah, pumped about Isaiah Pacheco. I think he's a perfect pick for this. The guy I'm going to go with, not so sneaky, but a little bit maybe in terms of his immediacy of what he can do, is Joshua Williams, the corner from Fayetteville State. And I knew Joshua had a lot of talent, but I just figured coming from a smaller school, he may be a little bit more raw, maybe not quite ready to jump in there, maybe more of a special teams kind of redshirt year for him. I don't think so. Um, based on what we were seeing in OTAs and minicamp, I think he's going to have a real shot to play some significant snaps for this team and be in that cornerback rotation. We saw him out there a lot with the ones. Um, and, of course, Rashad Fenton's hurt right now, so who knows how it will all shake out. He's got to earn that spot. But um, Joshua Williams looking really good, making plays. Again, making the most of the opportunity – while he's out there. It's not just that he was out there. It's that he looked the part when he was out there. So Joshua Williams is a guy who I'm really looking forward to seeing in camp. The thing about him is he has great height. He's six foot three, and this has been a bit of a revolution for the Chiefs defensive backs. Last season, the Chiefs didn't have a single corner over six foot two. They now have three, um, Jalen Watson and Lonnie Johnson Jr. being the other two. Um, but Joshua Williams, exciting young player. And height isn't everything, 
but it certainly helps if you're covering guys like Mike Williams in your own division who are um, mutant tall people. Uh, you want to have tall corners who are also super athletic. So Joshua Williams, I think he's going to win us some games this year. Can't wait to see him out there. What I like about this class as a whole, this rookie class, but I like about Joshua Williams is this blend we talk about all the time of having the right amount of humility, of not walking in going, I've got this league figured out because that will be extracted from you in seconds. But then not being so fearful of like, I can't, I don't know if I can do this. He, these, these guys as a class seem to be ahead of the game. This is the way Patrick was his very first spring and summer here. But Joshua Williams played at Division II Fayetteville State seems to have that blend of confidence because he's a fearless cat now based on what we've seen. He's, oh, yeah. he's not going to back down from anything. And yet you don't get the feeling he's walking around like, hey, I own the earth and you guys are all just here. Uh, so he will be one to watch in St. Joe as well. All right, we're going to close out this episode, Cause, Effect, and Sneaky, with a third part, and that was the OTAs and minicamp, which is basically the blending of these two together. The first segment of the free agency, the existing players, and then integrating with the rookies and the undrafted now free agents uh, that are also considered rookies, and what we saw. What I saw, we saw, was a team that Andy Reid now can not only tinker with he can open up even more of the playbook. It makes Steve Spagnuolo's defense, to me, potentially more effective, particularly the way Spags plays defense. Very unconventional. More athleticism, a ferociousness that I'm seeing on defense, but a team now that can either attack or defend the whole width of the field, 53 and a half yards, and the entire 120 length of the field, 120-yard length of the field. The National Football League, and, and Andy has mentioned this, has become track. This is football track. But the best teams in this league, the Chiefs have been able to do it, especially in offense, attack the entire width, attack the entire length of the field. And what I saw this spring and summer is a team that has more of a propensity to do that than even the 21 and 20 team. One thing I wrote down, uh, that is, excites me about this offseason going into this season that could be kind of a sneaky thing that people aren't quite thinking too much about is just how different the schemes could be on both sides of the ball with the new personnel and how opponents are not going to know how to stop it either way. Uh, for opposing offenses, how do you attack this Chiefs defense with so many new faces? Uh, and for opposing defenses, Patrick Mahomes keeps them up at night. We all know that. In the previous iteration of the Chiefs offense with Tyree Kill, it took the league three years to figure out how to slow down the trio of Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill. And to their credit, they figured something out. You put two deep safeties back there. You make the Chiefs, 30 yards. Yeah, right? You make the Chiefs go the length of the field. Well, guess what? The Chiefs figured that out eventually as well. They revolutionized how they did things, totally changed things, and figured it out. Almost got to the Super Bowl again. <laughs> but with this new personnel, all the height they've added at wide receiver and the different kind of skill sets they have now, at wide receiver, I think depth throughout that room of all very good, solid players who can get themselves open, all of a sudden, that too high safety thing isn't going to work anymore against the Chiefs. And if guys want to cheat up in the box and get after Patrick Mahomes at the same time, um, good luck with that. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see what this offense can do against defenses this year because these defenses don't know what to expect. And Mahomes has said that time and time again. That's why he's fired up for this season because there's so many new faces. Defenses are not going to know how to stop it. And the defense is the same thing. We've had a lot of players in this defense that were here for a long time that are no longer here. And they made great contributions to this organization when they were here. But numerous young athletic players on this defense now that uh, – 
offenses aren't going to know what their capabilities are right out of the gate. And I think it's going to give Steve Spagnuolo a chance to really unleash these guys and, and show what they can do and, and stop uh, offenses that maybe we struggled with in the past. So excited for the skill sets, but really more than anything, and it gets back to what we started the show with, this team has a fire lit under it that they always are motivated, but it seems like it's just up and ante this year. And if I have to think of a comparison, it's not quite um, apples to apples here, but in 2015, the Royals in May were going out there and playing games like they were the World Series. And to me, the way the Chiefs attacked offseason practices reminded me of a team that was practicing as if they had a game that weekend. Every single practice. And again, when you've been to four straight conference title games, you've been to two Super Bowls, and you've won one of them, you've won your division six consecutive years, and everyone out there wants to pick numerous other teams, the Bills, the Bucks, the Packers, whoever, to be the best team in the NFL. It makes you think a little bit, like, okay, if you don't think we're the best team in the NFL, we're going to go out there and show you. And that's my warning, I think, to the rest of the NFL. that This team is more motivated than ever, I think. And that's why, again, this kind of lull uh, in the summer, we're ready for training camp. And the guys are, too. Patrick Mahomes and Sky Moore are in Texas right now working on passing plays. I don't know if you saw that, but they're working today on that. And, and that's, I think, how the kingdom feels as well, as we're ready to get going on this thing because – uh, I think the season has the makings of a season we're not going to forget. I've had a chance to look into the eyes of Patrick Mahomes a couple times this summer and spring and Travis Kelsey. And the look I saw, I, I, I don't want to, this is not hyperbole. The look I saw was a refocused, re-energized duo that know, and I think there's part of it they're excited that they've got some help. That's kind of been the thesis of this episode. So, Yes, it's time to get excited about the 2022 Chiefs for maybe reasons you don't haven't thought about a lot. That's part of the reasons of this episode of Defending the Kingdom. So we'll close this way. Just overall, what is your sneaky thing about this team that fans aren't thinking about that could make a giant impact? Well, I think the, the off-season workouts in Texas are going to play dividends for this team. And I think the fact that Mahomes and the offensive skill players got together in April before OTAs even started – and we're out there getting to know each other um, off the field, but also on the field working on little things like timing. You can't work on too much in those settings, but you can work on uh, the fundamentals, I think. And they were able to hit OTAs running, and all the guys showed up for OTAs, which how many teams do that where all the veterans are actually showing up? For the most part, most of the veterans on this team were here for voluntary workouts. I think that was important. Uh, and they were able to attack minicamp. So when the Chiefs get to training camp in a few weeks, um, they'll hit the ground running. There's not a whole lot of new information being learned at that point. Uh, so when week one rolls around, everyone's going to be talking about all the new faces on the Chiefs. But for the guys in the building, they're not new at all. They've been hanging out for months now. So I think those offseason workouts that, um, as I alluded to, are also taking place right now before camp starts, um, it really shows the commitment this team has. And I think that's a sneaky thing that we in Kansas City know all about, but people on the outside might not know about. So uh, I think hopefully when we're hoisting the Lombardi Trophy in February, we'll be thinking about the guys in Texas uh, in April um, going after that. Excellent observation. Here's mine. Nags. Nags. Nobody's talking enough about Matt Nagy coming back to be with this Kansas City offensive unit, especially to be right on the hip of Patrick Mahomes. Nobody is happier in the Chiefs' kingdom about it than Patrick Mahomes. I had a chance to bump into Nags over the weekend, this past weekend. 
and he and I just talk ball, talk life, talk things. It, and we got, we've already mentioned, we got a Chicago Chiefs fan. That we'll see you in the first preseason game. Steve Heisel's probably listening to this episode or watching this episode, Leo Krause, other guys that are Chiefs fans now, but also kind of Bears fans. You're just going to have to deal with this. The fact that Matt Nagy is back on this Kansas City Chiefs staff has not been talked about enough about its potential impact. Keep in mind, when Patrick Mahomes was apprenticing in 2017, there were two main dudes that were basically playing war games with him or doing his top gun training, okay, Maverick. And it was Mike Kafka, now the offensive coordinator of the New York Giants, and Matt Nagy. Nagy's thrilled to be back with Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is overly thrilled to have Nags back here. Nags is back. And do not underestimate the impact of that sneaky part of what's happened in this offseason. So, Matt, here we go. We're going to close in. From here on, we'll kind of get everybody ready for camp, do some position breakdowns. But this episode has been really focusing on the last five months. Cause, effect, and what's sneaky. And can we just get to camp already? I mean, (laughs) I think we have almost exactly a month. I just can't wait to get up there. It'll be all football. uh, And before we know it, the season will be here, and we can get this thing going. And you have a team that's got a chip on its shoulder. We are, I'm with you, brother. I am excited because this could be a fun 2022. Mainly because of cause, effect, and what's sneaky. Ten, five, touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead.